Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. GR. Uh, give me the offensive lineman for the Packers who was last introduced during pregame introductions. Kramer. Not as incorrect. That's a good guess, Kramer, because, you know, he was on that line. So it's not Kramer, and it's not Forrest Gregg, and it's not Thurston. So there's only a couple more. Time to relax and rewind. Rick, the final Packer offensive lineman. Announced during pregame introductions in Super Bowl One. Howard Simon. No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not it. One more. It's not Kramer. It is not Bill Curry. It is not... Howard Simon. Um, Forrest Gregg. No, I said it's not Forrest, damn it! It's not Forrest Gregg. It is not Kramer. It it's is the not- best of WGR. This is the garbage you give me? Zach, who's the lineman? And I'm going to say Bill Curry. No, I just said it was about Curry, David! The Nightcap on WGR. Sports Radio 550. Yay! Yay! Hour number two of the Nightcap. What's up? Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Got some hockey on, the Hurricanes and the Capitals. It's 2-1 caps in the first intermission. They hold on. they got two periods to go. But if they hold on, they will advance to round number two and play the New York Islanders. Starting to figure some stuff out. Boston's going to play Toronto tomorrow, Game 7 in Boston. Winner will go on to play the Blue Jackets. That game will be here on WGR tomorrow. We'll have Game 7, Bruins and Leafs, starting at 7. Um... So those two are playing for uh, the right to go play Columbus. They had a scrimmage today, by the way. The Blue Jackets playing against each other. Seemed like they had a really good turnout in the arena. Like the whole lower bowl in Columbus was filled just to watch the Blue Jackets play the Blue Jackets. That really should say something. You beat the best team the NHL's seen in the regular season in 20 years, and you beat them so bad as the 8th seed that you have to play a scrimmage game because there's too much layover. Like that's how badly that amazing sport, man, that the Blue Jackets were even able to do that. Um stuff in the West is starting to get figured out. Colorado, again, another eight seed. They beat the uh they beat the Flames. You've got the Blues advancing with Ryan O'Reilly past the Winnipeg Jets. Paul Maurice's name. You never know. I saw some chatter that he could be fired. Didn't seem like for any anyone reputable, but you never know. That could happen. John Cooper has not been fired, by the way. I had that thought, but I think that would have happened by now if that was going to happen. But maybe Paul Maurice, who knows? That could be a guy the Sabres would look at if he's available. He would definitely be the best retread coach on the market. Um, Dallas against Nashville tonight. If the Stars win, they'll go on to the next round. They would play the Blues. And then Vegas and San Jose, they have Game 7 too. And that'll be tomorrow, I think. Tomorrow. So, yeah, Paul Maurice, maybe he throws his hat in the ring, but if he doesn't, we're at a point, and we were at a point, where there's just no real great, like, retread veteran 
big resume coach out there in the NHL. Not there's really not that guy. It's Lindy Ruff. It's Randy Carlisle. Daryl Sutter, if he wants to get off his tractor in Alberta. Really, we, we don't know. Like, There's no guy out there that's like, oh yeah, he's the top of the list. McClellan would have been that, and even he was, you know, okay. He would have been the top of the list, but he wasn't a guy that I'm firing my coach for, no matter who my guy was. So, two names now are really starting to, to pique my interest. And... I think both are starting to sound realistic. I don't like the Chris Taylor idea. I don't want to just promote him because he's my AHL coach. If you think he's qualified, if you think he's done a really, really good job there, and he's a big reason why the Amherst have had the success they've had, then do it. But how convinced am I that that's the case? They've got good talent down there. And I don't want to be promoting him just because he's my AHL coach. Is anybody else around the league going to hire Chris Taylor or even think about hiring Chris Taylor as their NHL coach? I don't think he's at that point. So am I only doing that because he's my AHL coach? No. I want the guy that everyone wants. And right now, that sounds like it's Sheldon Keefe for the Toronto Marlies. And I know he's playing against Chris Taylor and the Amherst. So that might be a weird look. Like if Chris Taylor gets eliminated by Sheldon Keefe and then Sheldon Keefe ends up being above him as the Sabres coach, it might be a little weird, but... I'm he is like the guy I'm starting to lock in on. I still like Gronberg. Gronberg is the guy that I really wanted before, and I think I still do. He would be my one my one A guy, and maybe Keith would be one B. But those are the two guys that I'm really starting to like the idea of here in Buffalo. Keith, 38 years old, analytical, comes from the Kyle Dubas tree. He worked under Kyle Dubas. Kyle Dubas now, by the way, the GM of the Leafs, if you didn't know. Super young GM. And he worked with him in Sault Ste. Marie in the OHL, then for the Marlies, and then Keith stayed with the Marlies, and Dubas got promoted to be the Leafs GM. And I can't see Keith getting an opportunity anytime soon to be the Leafs coach. I guess if they got eliminated again in the first round, there'd be people in Toronto calling for Mike Babcock, but I don't think that's going to happen at all. And if that did happen, like Leaf fans calling for Mike Babcock, that's just, you know... Toronto media having a very high standard. I don't think Babcock's going anywhere. So is Keith getting an opportunity in Toronto? He probably would love an opportunity to get an NHL job, I'd think. And if you're not getting the Toronto job anytime soon, just take a quick drive down the QEW. Come coach the Buffalo Sabres. He's only 38 years old. Like I said, analytical. Um... Had tons of success with Toronto, and not just, like, like Chris Taylor deserves credit. He got that team to the playoffs, yes. But they're down 2-0. The Amherst haven't won a playoff round since 2005. Sheldon Keefe won the Calder Cup last year. Like, that's real success in the AHL. He won the whole damn thing. So I'm all in on that idea if I'm reaching into the AHL. Here's Greg Brady from 590 in Toronto on uh, on Sheldon Keefe. He was on with Sale last, or, uh, this past weekend. He's really bright. He's definitely heavily into the analytics, like not mildly into the analytics of the sports, heavily into the analytics. So he was more a, a rough-and-tumble uh, junior hockey player, played 120 NHL games. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's the guy Buffalo is isolated right now, regardless of how long the Marley's playoff run goes. And so I think when people call up your show, show up in the Bulldog, and they say, why are the Sabres taking so long? Well, they may have something already set with, with Sheldon Keefe. Right. I don't know that for sure, but it wouldn't shock me. So Sheldon Keefe? 
Could be a good idea for the Sabres. And now I think we know that Gronberg's name at least has been discussed. Scott Burnside from The Athletic reported over the weekend that once the Sabres were out on Todd McClellan, he went to the Kings, once the Sabres were out on him, that Ricard Gronberg's name was thrown into the mix. I like that his name was even thrown into the mix in the first place. I like that they would even have the discussion about him. Overseas, something no team in the NHL has done since 2001. I like that the Sabres are even thinking that way, thinking outside the box. The guy wants to be an NHL coach. He's had tons of success, both with the Swedish junior team and coaching the men's team in Sweden. It's different. You've got star Swedish players here, Dahlin in particular, maybe Olofsson becomes one. We'll see. Love that idea, and I love that it's even being discussed. But Keith Gronberg, those are my top two at this moment. 803-0550 is the phone number on the Sabres coach search. Go to Steve in Rochester. Steve, you're on the nutcap. What's up? Guys, how are you? Good. How about you? You know, I, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I, I don't want to show my age, but I really think experience is imperative. You know, one of the things I listen to Paul Hamilton a lot, and I respect him a lot when he was on the other day, he talks about, you know, Chris Taylor, and I go to quite a few Amherst games, he, he's a good developmental coach, really good developmental coach. Well, I don't think the Sabres need a developmental coach. I mean, I think by the time you get to the NHL, you're not really – that ship has sailed for developing players. They better be ready to go, okay? So I don't think Chris Taylor's the answer. And Paul mentioned something the other day about one of the – issues that the Sabres have is there's a lot of young privilege in that room. And he mentioned how Brian Gianta got a little mistreated and things like that. I don't know if a young coach could handle a room like that. And that, I would wonder what your thoughts are, because I really think they need, I, I mean, Dan Balsma might've been something like that. I think Dan Balsma was just the way he changed lines around and the, and the personality he had was just did not mix. But what do you think of a guy who's, a, like a drill sergeant, like almost like a Tortorella. Is that what you're kind of driving at here? Like a Tortorella, or even maybe on a lesser extent, like a Rich Sutter or something like that. You know, I. I yeah, to me, I'm. I don't know. I, I. I'm not. I don't hate the idea. Bilesma, like you bring him up, and I'm glad you did because I feel like he's starting to get a rep. Like that, he was so different from Housley. Like, oh, he was holding the guys accountable. He was more of a hard coach. I don't really think he was like a drill sergeant coach. I think he was just a bad communicator in general. Like, that's my thought on Bilesmo. So I, I don't even think it's like you're going back to that. Um, my problem is, first of all, like, I'm, I'm generally not in the camp of what I need a drill sergeant, like, type of coach. Even Tortorella. Like, I didn't like that idea when he was available. But I don't hate it. The only thing is, like, I don't know if I see a guy out there that's that type of coach, like the veteran, experienced, he'll hold these kids accountable type of coach. I don't see that guy out there that's worth hiring. Like, I feel like all those guys are kind of taken already. Yeah, I, I think let me, I think Quenville and Steve thanks to call it. I think Quenville would have been the guy. Quenville would have been the guy for that. If if he's that type of coach in my mind, and if he would have been willing to come to Buffalo and not Florida, that would have been the guy to do it with. Otherwise, I don't see the other guy out there that's going to get me what you're looking for. I think that's just in my personal opinion. Um, I don't know. I don't entitled. Entitled? What are they entitled for? Do they, I, they never come off that way to me. They might be. I'm looking for communication. I'm looking for strategic X and O's, analytics. I'm looking for the whole package. Not one of them. All of them. 
And that's why I like the idea of Gronberg. Gronberg, when he's talking about coming to the NHL, he, he's talking about the X's and O's, but he's also like, hey, I need to uh, communicate with, with these young players, have something in common with them, find common ground. And he doesn't come off to me as like, Yelling orders at the players. Like, I, it's not that game anymore. I don't think. I don't know. I'm, I'm not in on the veteran coach. I don't think that name is out there. I don't think the guy is out there that you want for that. Lindy Ruff is probably the top of the list. And are we really going to do that again? I love Lindy. I would Part of me would love to see him back here. But are we really going to do that again? When you have kind of the perfect setup. For the different coach. There's no market for the retreads right now. What better opportunity to take a shot in the dark? You shouldn't even be in the dark. You should know. But it's the NHL. It's a it's an old boys club. They will to them it's like taking a shot in the dark. But do it. See what Gronberg is. See what that looks like. Or go for the young kid young kid he's 38 years old go for the young coach Sheldon Keefe go for the guy that has a profound respect for analytics that has been brought up in the Maple Leaf system and brought up in Sault Ste. Marie underneath Kyle Dubas I'm more jealous of that than maybe any other team in the league when it comes to coaches slash like GMs like Kyle Dubas if you can get me something from that tree that's I'm sorry, I'm warming up to it. Sheldon Keefe. I haven't seen anything that says that the Sabres are in on Sheldon Keefe. Um, it would kind of fit the timeline, though. Because we haven't seen a lot happen. Like, that's the one thing that makes me think maybe they won't do Gronberg. Because I don't know why you wouldn't have done that already. I guess he's got the World Championships coming up, but you could still do that. I mean, he's available. There's no other NHL team that I've heard or have seen that's even thinking about that. So you could do that, but why are we waiting? Maybe they're waiting on maybe they're waiting on this Amherst Marley series. It could be for Chris Taylor, it could be for Sheldon Keefe. There's two guys in that series. Like I think they would be right now two of the top 3 favorites to be the next Sabre coach. I think you'd have to put it right now at in some order Taylor, Gronberg, and I think Keefe. I think Give me another name that deserves to be a bigger favorite than him right now. Because the timeline matches up. The idea is good. At least to us it's good. I don't know. Paul Maurice. I still don't really have formulated opinion on what that would be. Um, that would be like the... That, that would be a better idea to me than McClellan. If Paul Maurice is fired in Winnipeg. Um, you know, he was a really young coach at one point. He's been around a really long time. He's been coaching since 95 with Hartford. That's how long he's been coaching. He 29 when he started coaching. Still only 52. Um, and he's had a lot of good seasons here with Winnipeg. But he's had a lot of talent. And I, that, that's, that's an idea I could get behind, too. If he were to be fired, I don't know if I've seen that he's going to. But like I said, there was some chatter that maybe Jets fans are calling for that. Blake Wheeler today is talking about it. He gave him a vote of confidence. So we'll see. We'll see what they do there. If that happens, it'll probably be soon, and I wonder if the Sabres would act on that. But um, 
You've still got the Senators out there. You've still got, well, the Kings hired their coach. Anaheim. Still waiting on Anaheim. Dell Seekins is there. That's the one that makes the sense for me. I think Anaheim should just do that. Um, and if you're just competing with Ottawa for a head coach, I think you should win that fight 10 times out of 10. So the Sabres will get their pick, probably what's left on the market, but we'll see what is left on the market, whether that's Keefe, whether that's Chris Taylor, Gronberg, maybe Paul Maurice. John Cooper seems like a pipe dream at this point. 803 is the phone number if you want to get some talk on the coaches before we get to some more draft talk as we are going to play back Daniel Jeremiah as we progress here. He's the guy who thinks it's less than 50-50 that Kyler Murray goes to the Cardinals. We'll talk some Kyler Murray, too, when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Both sides are, are still seemingly committed to trying to get something done. So, And, and maybe, and I, I remember talking about this last week and saying that it's a dangerous game as you creep closer to July 1st. And what if Newport and Jeff Skinner finally stock off and say, look, we're not getting this done, but we're going to test the market. Not saying we won't sign in Buffalo, but we want to see what else is out there. Darren Dreger on with the instigators and Jeff Skinner talk. A little bit there. It's basically the same thing that we've been hearing for months since the beginning of the season. Literally, the beginning of the season. When they traded him. It's the same thing. Both sides committed to getting a deal done, but we don't really have any updates. It's just kind of where it's been. We don't really know what the numbers are. We don't know what Skinner's looking for. We don't know what the Sabres are looking for. We don't even really know if there's real discussion going on. I think you could probably anticipate that there is, but I don't know. How can you think any progress has been made? It's April 22nd, and it's the same thing you heard last June or July or August, whenever the trade was made. He's going to be something to talk about, I think. At some point, he's got to be. It's weird how little conversation there has been about the guy who led your team in scoring and was the first guy to score 40 goals in almost a decade. Like, he played better than (laughs) almost every player except for not named Jack Eichel that you've had since you made the playoffs last during this drought. He was tremendous last season, and there's really nothing on him. I think you got to sign him. I think you absolutely... Have got to sign him. Um, but of course, there is a limit. Anything over nine million, I think I'm still in the same spot. Anything over nine million, just no, not in on it. But I think if you can get him under that number, which is kind of a ridiculous number in the first place for a guy that doesn't really generate a lot of assists and is just kind of a goal scorer, nine million, usually you're looking for a complete player at that cap hit. But I think here you've got I think you just got to do it. You're already so thin on top 6 forwards and forwards in general that can score. You had three guys basically generating 95% of your scoring chances last season. And can you lose a third of that? Man, there's already so many holes to fill. I don't know if you want to create another one uh by doing that. NFL draft 3 days away, Thursday night. First round we'll have the we'll have coverage right here on WGR. Friday night, second and third round, same thing. Coverage here on WGR. And stuff's happening in front of the Bills. Ed Oliver's name's come up for the Jets. At one point, Ed Oliver seemed like the most likely guy to go to the Bills at 9, and now it seems like they're not going to get a a shot at him. 
Maybe that means Quinn and Williams becomes available. Maybe that means the Bills draft Josh Allen for the second year in a row. Maybe that means a quarterback falls. I, I don't know. You're, you're not obviously taking a quarterback at nine, but you want the quarterbacks to go before you. And all this is kind of happening in front of the Bills. Will the Buccaneers take a quarterback? Will the Raiders take a quarterback? Will the Bengals try to trade up? Will the Dolphins? Will the Redskins? Will the Broncos? The quarterback stuff is probably going to generate who is left for the Bills at 9, if they stay there. This is the one year where I'm not against them trading up. Usually I think that idea is just bad. It's bad news. You want to trade down as much as possible, but considering what they did do in free agency, considering they have 10 picks in general, you only have so many roster spots to be made anyway. Maybe this is the year where you do it. I don't want them to go all the way to 2. Cynthia Frolin from uh, NFL.com had a trade scenario today in an article that, hey, the Bills should do this. Trade their ninth overall pick, a fifth and sixth this year. Okay, that's nothing. And then next year's first to move up to two and draft Quinn and Williams. Just do not do that. Please do not do that. That is the Sammy Watkins trade. That is the Sammy Watkins trade. That is trading up, trading away your next year's first round pick to get the best player at a position that is loaded in this draft class. That is what that is. And that's a terrible idea to move all the way to two. If they want to move to five or six, not completely against that because of the reasons I just gave. You did well in free agency. You only have so many roster spots in, in, to begin with, and you got 10 picks. Are all 10 of those picks going to make the team? Go ahead. Spend two or three. Get the surefire stud. But not at two. And do not touch next year's first round pick. That's a terrible idea 10 times out of 10. Nine times out of ten. Patrick Mahomes happened. All right, let's get to Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network. He was part of that analyst draft that I mentioned earlier The NFL Network did. A little mock draft. Bucky Brooks had the Bills taking Noah Font ninth overall. Uh, so Daniel Jeremiah here. The guy who thinks Kyler Murray is less than a 50-50 chance to go to Arizona. He was on One Bills Live playing that back. Now here's Daniel Jeremiah with the guys. And now we're going to be joined by uh, NFL Network draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah, former NFL scout for the Ravens, Browns, and Eagles. He's a radio color analyst for the L.A. Chargers. Daniel, you're on the One Bills Live with Steve Tasker, Luke Tasker. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Great to catch up with you guys. Thanks for coming on. We were going to ask you a couple of things, not only about uh, mock drafts that you have coming out that, that everybody is. How difficult is it for you to, at this point to put together? And, and, and believe me, is this your mock draft 6.0 or is it 1.0? I mean, how many have you had to put out? I know they start early. Yeah, I think I've got three out. I've got one more uh, that I'll do. I uh, won't we'll put a show around it on Wednesday, the night before the draft. So that'll be the last one. Uh, the first three, you just kind of play around different. The last one, you try and go off the, uh, the best information you got. The sad part is, even with uh, you know culling as much information as you can, you know at the end of the day, you're only going to get seven, eight, nine of these things right. It's just right. it's impossible right. to predict. Right. So, Daniel, the Bills have made uh, a lot of moves in free agency, specifically with the offense uh, uh, this year. What work is left for Buffalo in this draft? Where can they where can they make more strides, especially on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You, uh, you know, I tried this year to do a better job of tracking who these teams are spending time with and, and private workouts and mm-hmm. visits and all that kind of stuff. And it does, I don't worry about who the players are, but it paints a picture in terms of the positions of focus. Um, and, and you look offensively, uh, obviously they've done a lot of work in the offensive line, but that's still an area to address. Wide receiver, they've done a lot of homework. And then 
uh, defensively, not a surprise, edge rushers and, uh, and corners. So um, they could go in any, any direction. I think it's, you know, usually we have a young quarterback going into year two, um, usually end up trying to do something to support him and yeah. help him out a little bit. So even though you have those needs on the defensive side of the ball, I still think push comes to shove the tiebreaker. Uh, Josh Allen's going to win the tiebreaker. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about Josh Allen. What do you do with him? Do you do you help him up front with the offensive line, or do you give him more weapons? Well, I think the way to do it, I mean, the perfect player to me that makes the most sense is Hawkinson uh, from Iowa because not only does Hawkinson can help you if you want to keep a tight end in, he's going to he's going to help you that way. You want quick completions, uh, he can uncover quickly and help you there. And then he's a huge asset in the run game which is going to put you in some more favorable opportunities down and distance-wise uh, to do some play action and take some shots with all the speed you have on the outside. So uh, I think he's somebody that can come in there and help in so many different ways. I would love to see that fit. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, tell, he's been called a, the, probably the best tight end in this draft, but how good is – I know that's – you know he's being compared to yeah. the guys in the same draft class. Mm-hmm. Compare him to guys who are in the league or you've seen in the league – yeah. Or draft picks. You know, some of these guys come out, they're elite athletes and don't play well. But Hawkinson uh, seems to be one of those guys that transcends just a normal, good tight end prospect. Yeah, yeah. thanks. I think that's a good question, Steve. To me, uh, when I first started scouting a couple of these guys, um, you got to go back a little ways. But when Jason Witten was coming out, um, he has a very similar skill set to Jason Witten. Think about Heath Miller, uh, success he enjoyed with the Steelers. Guys that can play as inline wise, who can who can actually not only survive in the run game, which is really the goal with these college tight ends, uh, but to be dominant in that area, and then just really good at the subtlety. I think sometimes you know you look at height, weight, speed for tight ends is overrated because it's you know you're running option routes, you got to be able to work in space, you got to have a good feel and good instincts, and I think that's what he does really really well. Uh, real subtle at the top of his route, and it is able to create some separation. Uh, whereas his teammate Noah Fant, who's a you know is a really fantastic player, but he's more likely you're going to use him on deep overs and just just run him down the seam and just let him run by people. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The uh, if the Bills <clears throat> some of their some of their higher picks, if they're looking to solidify the offensive line, who makes the most sense in this draft um, as the first offensive line to be taken by Buffalo? Well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting when you're looking at fit. Uh, I, I think Dillard is the uh, is the best pass protector. I have him as the uh, the best tackle in this draft. Uh, but if you look at them and trying to identify, uh, you know, the the uh, the way they want to play, which to me is going to be some power football and then taking shots down the field. I think you could look at somebody, you know, like a Jawan Taylor uh, out of Florida, who's a little more physical. Um, he would make some sense there in terms of, of the fit there with the Bills. You know, although the name that I'm I'm given a lot when uh, when talking to folks is uh, they really like Jonah. They really like Jonah Williams from mm-hmm. uh, uh, from Alabama. Yeah. So th- th- any any of those three guys would be good players. I think the best player is Dillard, but I think the best fit. Uh, would be Jawan Taylor. Now, this is a draft that's really deep in defensive front defenders and a lot of edge rushers. And the bill, if the Bills decided to go that direction at number nine, uh, what's a guy that may last that long? Because there's some really good guys that are going to go very high in this draft, like Nick Bosa and, and uh, maybe even Montez Sweat, although maybe you can tell me about Montez's Sweat health concerns. Um, yeah. You know, is there a, a way or what's the best edge rusher you see falling to number nine? Well, you know, it's going to be difficult. I think you're more likely to get an interior guy. Um, you know, the 
edge guys. I think you look at, at Bosa and Allen being those premier edge guys. I think they're both gone. Um, and then with Sweat, I did my conference call yesterday uh, in the morning, and then in the afternoon I made a call, made my, my uh, medical call. So I talked to a couple different teams to get all the medical information. And uh, there's some legitimate concern there. Um, so I think when you're looking at somebody potentially that could fall, Montez Sweat would, uh, would fall into that category. Um, but I also hear when it comes to the Bills, they're, they're a team that would be more than open to trading back. Um, right. So maybe that's a situation where if you're not comfortable with Montez Sweat right there, you think maybe you trade back, get some more value. Um, maybe you'd be more likely to take a, a Brian Burns or a Montez Sweat a little bit lower. Okay. So when you look when we look around the league a little bit, what is the reality of the Green Bay Packers or let's say the New York Giants taking a quarterback in the first round? These franchises who have had their franchise quarterbacks for a number of seasons, is, is it a reality that they could uh, take these quarterbacks in, in high draft picks and – What's the chance that those guys are going to see the field? Yeah, I think there's uh, more more likely with the Giants. I think there's more urgency there. Um, you know, look, they are they are firm believers that Eli has a couple years left. Uh, but when you have an aging quarterback and you go back to back years with top ten picks and you don't address it, um, yeah, that's that's unusual. So I, I would be surprised if they didn't select the quarterback. Now, some folks believe they'll wait till seventeen instead of six, having two first round mm-hmm. picks. My thing is, if you're going to take a quarterback at 17, you just take him at six and make sure you get the guy that you want. You right. can't overdraft a franchise quarterback. Your job is tied uh, to that quarterback, whether he's at six or 17. Right. So you might as well get the one you want. Uh, with the Packers, I think they're more in a situation of, uh, you know, at pick 12, get a good player that helps you right now. And then at pick 30, you can kind of see how it plays out. And if, if one of those guys that you like, if it's a Drew Locke or a Daniel Jones, uh, were to fall to you, uh, then at that point in time, it's a luxury, and you go, okay, we can we can take the next guy, let him sit behind Aaron for a couple years, and and hopefully have a transition to the next guy. But uh, I don't think there is is pressing of a need there for them with Aaron. If they take a guy, well, here's the problem I have, Daniel. We're talking to Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network draft analyst, and one of the things I think is if the Giants did say, hey, they want to take this guy, why not take him at six rather than seventeen? Wouldn't there be an enormous amount of pressure if they took a guy at six to play him right away? And if they waited till 17, or if Green Bay waited until number 30, then the pressure's not so great. Certainly nobody's going to play ahead of Aaron Rodgers. But yeah. the pressure in New York is intense, I think. And if the higher they draft him, the more pressure there will be to change their plan and play the guy no matter what. Um, how much of that plays into the fact that they would, they would love to wait if they want Eli to play? Yeah, I think, look, if they take one at 6 or 17, the first time Eli Manning has a bad game, they're going to be calls. People are going to want to see what they don't know. You know, they're going to want to see this guy. So I don't think it'll be that drastic a difference between 6 and 17. Whoever they take is going to have tremendous pressure on them. Not only you've got the New York thing, uh, you've got Izzy a top 10 or a top 20 pick, but I'm telling you, there's still, at least nationally, there's uh, still that whole thing with not taking Sam Darnold last year that, uh, that hangs over him a little bit. So, uh, you know, if Sam Darnold gets off to a hot start, the Giants aren't playing great in that same media market, and you've got the guy in waiting, I mean, the, the calls are going to be intense to see that player on the field, whether or not he's the sixth pick or the 17th pick. Well, I'm going to give you one more question about a quarterback that maybe time to a team might try to evolve away from, and that's the San Diego Chargers. Uh, Philip Rivers. Uh, he's been there a long time. He's had a prolific Hall of Fame career. Is a guy like Daniel Jones going to be around for the Chargers to pick him? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think Daniel Jones, you know, trying to place him with teams, the uh, the Giants, 
you know, that that is one. But outside the Giants, I, I really don't have another team for him until you get to the Chargers. So right. if the Giants were to take Haskins or the Giants were to take Drew Locke, I think there's a legitimate shot that now you see Daniel Jones kind of slide down there into the Chargers and the Packers territory. Um, and when you look at the Chargers, it's unique because Phillip's still playing at a very high level. Uh, I think anybody would agree he's a top ten quarterback right now. Uh, but you've got the uh, uh, prospect moving into a, a new, a huge new stadium uh, coming up in Los Angeles, competing for attention with the Rams. I don't think you want to get your next quarterback a year or two late. I think you'd rather have him a year or two early. Uh, so I think that would be hard for them to pass up. Daniel, thanks for this. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Have a good one. There's Daniel Jeremiah on One Bills Live. We got a playoff scoring update for you. The Caps and Hurricanes are tied at two in the second period. Alex Ovechkin, man. That dude is fun. Love him. Can we can we say yet that he's better than Crosby? I don't think we can. I can. I'm gonna do it, but. It's going to be hard to say he's not better than Crosby if he ends his career with multiple cups and, more importantly, the most goals in NHL history when, by the way, goalies knew how to play goaltender. All due respect to, you know, the greats of the game, goalies did not know what the hell they were doing until 1997, it seemed like. I was watching Lemieux highlights the other night. Just on YouTube, just just to like, what was this guy? I'm like, I didn't, I don't watch old time highlights as much as I uh, used to, and I'm just Mario Lemieux highlights are recommended, so I just put them on. And my God, the goaltending! I feel like I could have scored 20 goals. It's just, it was so bad. They still had to get to the spots. They still had to, you know, be accurate with their shots. But come on. Ovechkin, man, is putting is going to set the goal record in this era. It's unbelievable. And Crosby's going to end up with way more points, per game at least. I think they're actually just about the same points for their careers, but Crosby played a lot less games. But, I mean, the guy, I think you're, I think you're going to have to call him the best player of this generation by the time his career is over. This generation. Now, I think Connor McDavid probably takes that for his generation, if that's separate. If they're the same, then I'll take McDavid. But, man, Ovechkin scored a goal tonight that was filthy. He looks like, I mean, he's 33, and he's he's flying around out there. He hasn't looked this way to me for the past couple years. Like, he's looked great. But the speed that I'm seeing in him in this series, I mean, he looks like 23-year-old Alex Ovechkin again, who wasn't just, just, I mean, guy who would sit on, sit in his office on the power play and score almost every single time he gets a one-timer. But there was a time, man, where he was like one of the most dangerous players in the league going coast-to-coast. Everyone remembers that Coyotes goal. And this series, he looks pretty threatening like as a guy that's carrying it up the ice. And he hasn't done that as much late uh, in the last couple years, but he's definitely doing that in this series. Playing great. 2-2. Two to two. Just about to be at the second admission. NHL playoff scoring update brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. We'll come back and wrap things up. We'll update you on my Twitter poll. Should the Bills trade LaShawn McCoy? It was in favor of yes last we checked. So if you got any last thoughts on that idea, 803-0550 is the number to do that. So- this is one of those classic players. You focus on what he can do or what he can't do because there's been a lot made of his three-cone time and short shuttle time. He's not a bendy athlete. He's 
incredibly fast in a straight line. He's strong. He actually has really underrated feet. He has quick feet, uh, a release. He can make some hay happen after the catch. I think that you know, we've seen him mentioned in some mock drafts, even as high as number nine to Buffalo. Sigmund Bloom. If you didn't listen to that, check it out on demand, WGR550.com. That was on DK Metcalf, who I have said pretty openly that I hate the idea of the Bills drafting, but if you want to do it later, if you want to trade down, or if you want to trade back into the first round, I like the idea of that because he is risky. I don't I don't think I want him being the first guy the Bills draft on Thursday, but I do like the idea of ending up with him uh, somehow, some way, if it's not drafting him ninth overall. Just I'm afraid of that floor, man. I had Nate Geary on, on uh, Friday, and he's talking about similarities between him and Laquan Treadwell, and I know that's a historically bad receiver pick that Minnesota made with Treadwell. Probably doesn't go that poorly, but it's risky, and... Generally, it's not like this draft has me thinking a bunch of different ways than what I normally think. Like, ideas that I like or usually don't like, like, I'm on board with. Like, trading up from nine, just a little bit, not all the way to two. Um, but, like, trading up, I'm, I kind of like the idea this year because of all the picks you got. And usually I like chasing the ceiling. Chase the ceiling of the player. Get the, get the guys who could be superstars. And that is Metcalf. But I don't know, something about him has got me worried that I wouldn't want the Bills drafting him ninth overall. I think I'd respect it, to be honest, but I'd, I'd be worried. Um, Fantasy-wise, like I'm a big fantasy player. I'm starting to get into it a lot right now uh, with keeper deadlines coming up. Drafts are starting to creep in a little bit if you're in really hardcore leagues, like rookie drafts, for instance. Um, I think he, like, if you're already thinking about fantasy football out there, and the Bills should, you know, they shouldn't be thinking about it in terms of fantasy football, but, like, ceiling chasing. Chase the guy's ceiling. And Metcalf is high. So all these rookie drafts I got coming up, I'm targeting him. Because he could be, I mean, he could be A.J. Green. He could be Julio Jones. It's probably not likely he's that good. But he definitely has the physical traits uh, to be that good. All right, that's going to do it for me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch the whole show on demand, WGR550.com. You won't have me tomorrow because we'll have Game 7, Leafs and Bruins, right here on WGR tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I'll give you a final... Mock draft from myself, a little preview of the draft on Wednesday night at 7 because we will have round one coverage on Thursday. So you hear from me on Wednesday. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a good night. It's the Nightcap Jody Biasi here on WGR. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.